0: Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. Today's topic is the Arimi, or Entry, and the important role it has to play with Aikido. Joining me in this discussion is Stephen Scott. Before we get started, please consider supporting this podcast by liking and sharing it. If you're interested in even more content, please consider subscribing to the Spirit Aikido Online program. We currently have more than 235 videos in the program. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. I'm thrilled to welcome back Stephen Scott Sensei to the podcast. Uh he I, I started the new year by taking a little different approach and in inviting people to talk about uh topics that that is uh that they are passionate about. And so Stephen is one of the first people I contacted. Uh, looking forward to talking with him and, and he came up with a great topic and that is talking about Irimi, uh, the the concept of of entering and it has so much to do with aikido not only physically in terms of technique but in terms of how aikido is uh, moving forward into the future so i'm really thrilled to have him back welcome back Stephen.
1: hi tristan thanks for having me always a pleasure
0: sure well, since this is your topic idea, and by the way, I love it when you when you wrote me and said that this is what was on your mind. I I almost jumped out of my chair because uh, it's something I'm passionate about too. So I'll let you take the lead on it. Uh, what's What's on your mind, and, and give us your thoughts on on irimi.
1: Yeah, it's irimi. To me, is the core of Aikido. It's it's there in every sword movement, Bokken movement that we do and that we undertake, and it's one of the things that I always stress to my students, is Aikido is very often, from my perspective, I always put that caveat in, uh, misperceived as this laid-back, sedated, kind of, but highly dynamic, technical martial art that has very little basis in reality. And I get people coming into the dojo, coming in to train with me, when we can, and it's one of the things that always comes to my mind is how they're taken back by the way I teach Irimi, and the way I place Irimi as one of the core fundamentals of what Aikido is. Now, I'm not talking about Irimi in the context of you simply move in. I'm talking about Irimi in the context of when you move, you move from your point into your opponent slash partner. Into their point, from your one point to their one point, and effectively destroying their center of balance. And I do use the term destroying their center of balance. That can only be done by understanding what Irimi is, how to move forward with your body as one contained unit. It's not Irimi with the arms, it's not Irimi with the feet, it's not just Irimi with the mind, it's Irimi with the whole body. Moving as one contained functional unit to your opponent's weakest point. And it's ensuring that you're aware of where those weak points are, identifying them and moving in the appropriate way. And this is very akin to when you see things been talked about the geometry of Aikido, triangle, circle, square. Irimi is the triangle, just like the sword is the triangle of that, that trinity of concept within Aikido. When we undertake Irimi, we want to move our whole essence, body, everything through into your opponent to completely disrupt what they're about to do. And that's the thing that seems to take a lot of people back. They're not ready for how much that can affect you, how much it hurts when it's done to you, and how much power and strength you get from proper posture moving forward. And I think, when I think of you and me, and when I go, as we all do, trolling the internet, not trolling, trolling, There's a big difference between trolling and trolling. I troll, I don't troll. Uh, One's got an AW, one's got an OL. And uh, when I'm trolling, looking for, you know, what's going on out there, what people are placing on the internet, what the image of Ankiro is that they're giving, very often what we see is while they move in, they're still waiting on their opponent to come to them. And it's what I call lazy Ankiro. Lazy Aikido lacks irime. It lacks all concept or notion or function of it, because that's very akin to, if I can choose an Americanism in baseball, that's very akin to you coming up to bat and not attempting to swing at it, just wait until the ball hits the bat. You know, (laughs) you don't get much effect out of that. You're not going to get many runs out of that. You're not going to do very well. And it's the same in boxing, it's the same in all martial arts, it's the same in karate, it's the same in jujitsu. it's the same in taekwondo, it doesn't matter what you do. If you only ever wait for your partner or opponent to come to you, then you're going to be on the receiving end of all the hurt. And as Mo Karate Sensei used to say to me, uh, it's easier to move forwards. They can move faster forwards than you can move faster backwards. And when I look, I see a lot of ankydo being done on the heels, with the body weight going back, with the attitude going back, lovely, big, beautiful movements, but all starting with the intent of moving backwards to then capture with Te Gatana and redirect in a lovely, big, flowing circle, gorgeous to look at, absolutely amazing, terrible Aikido, beautiful ukis, but lacking any of that, you know, that spirit that drives you forward, mm-hmm. and very, very much so. Uh, I think that's what Aikido needs at this present moment. We need to recapture that sense of anime, that sense of driving the art forward, and to try and take it from where it's been perceived and polishing off some of the the more core martial concepts of it so that people can see, look, this is actually quite an effective system. It's not perfect, no system is, but anime to me is the core concept of what makes Aikido different. From a lot of other martial arts, particularly the Irimi Tenkan movement, which we can come to later. But when you see Irimi Tenkan done, it's mostly just Tenkan. It's mostly just a term. There is very little Irimi from what I see being done in Irimi Tenkan. Whereas back in the day when I was taught it, being part of a mixed class, if you didn't do Irimi Tenkan correctly, there was a punch coming your way straight on the end of it. And if you, didn't, if you didn't get the irimi part right, you didn't get the tin can because you were too busy holding your face, <laughs> complaining about the fact you, you know, you're trying not to bleed on your new gi and hakama. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, was, it, was, it was a very different way of working. And nowadays, some people may see that as a bit too abrupt, a bit too sore. But um, it taught me a, an awful lot about how to move and how to take someone's posture to disrupt their ability to attack you. And that's the core concept of what irimi is about to me. It's about attacking your opponent's centre just like we do with Subokan.
0: You know, when you contacted me about this, I was really, I got my brain buzzing. And um, you covered, I think one of the things that, it, that I think we, we really need to discuss in here. And that is kind of three different things about Irimi. Firstly, why do it? Because a lot of, a lot of I see the same things that you have. A lot of Aikido practitioners are very Tenkan focused. They're very passive mm-hmm. in, in their focus. And we'll often challenge. Well, wh- why would I? Why would I enter? Uh, the second is when, and then third is how, because those are the, kind of the techno. But if you don't answer the why, explain the reasoning behind the entering, the rest kind of fall by the wayside w- without being having a justification. And in my mind, uh, entering is essentially applying or asserting yourself. And if you look at it as a way from the way of strategy, there is a time to enter. Mm-hmm to your opponent. And if a wise strategist will see when those opportunities present themselves or they will create those opportunities, that's the how and the when. Mm -hmm. But the idea that your entry is what ends the conflict. When you finally Mm -hmm. do your entry and you do it correctly at the correct time, uh, under the correct conditions, you will end the conflict. And I think that when you take this thousand foot view, that's the reason we enter because we want to put an end to the conflict. If you don't, and I think that there's a story from uh, Morhais' day where he faced a, a sword wielding challenger and he just evaded, he just constantly evaded the attack and evaded the attack and went on and on and on for half an hour, 40 minutes. And then the guy just gave up. Uh, and there's a, there's a, an account from an ancient, uh, there was a, a, a um, uh, from the original Olympic games back in, you know, BC, mm-hmm. there was a, um, a competitor that did the exact same thing. He never would strike a blow. He would just always evade. And eventually he would wear his opponents out just because of exhaustion. And, you know, he was very well conditioned, very well trained, but he didn't, he didn't get into the offense at all. And those two accounts made me think they both had the a couple of luxuries there. Firstly, they had all the time they needed. There, mm-hmm. there was no uh, deadline. Secondly, there was no other attackers. So there was no urgency mm-hmm end that conflict. So really, you're talking about, in both cases, more of a sporting environment, an isolated, um, almost a perfect one-on-one dual type situation, where in reality, we, we will not be guaranteed that. We will not be afforded necessarily time. We won't be afforded one, one attacker only. Uh, we might have to end a conflict in a, in a timely fashion. Um, and so to me, that's where Within strategy, there's a time to assert yourself, a time to enter, and there's a time when entry would be dangerous, too dangerous to do, and that's when you <laughs> avert, avoid, turn, what have you. And I think that like yin and yang, those two aspects from a strategy standpoint have to be balanced. And a wise strategist merely sees and knows now's the time to enter or now's not the time to enter. I need to slip or evade or buy range or, or cost time, things like that. And from what I've seen with Aikido, it tends to be, contemporary Aikido tends to be imbalanced heavily towards Tenkan or towards mm-hmm. avoidance, absorbing and that sort of thing. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's, it, the the Tenkan movements are, we, I love doing Tenkan, absolutely love doing Tenkan. Oh, love it's it. it's yeah. great, it's great fun. And back when I was, you know, younger and my body wasn't so broken I used to love receiving techniques that were being applied from Tenkan because you really feel that momentum build up and then you can let yourself go and really enjoy being an uke and trying to master the art of you know not hurting yourself and being thrown properly and staying on point with the technique and helping your your partner learn great but as you say When we hear about these stories, and sometimes it's because of these types of stories with Sensei, perhaps that's why there's more sway towards the softer side of Aikido because someone could use that as a basis. Well, once Sensei faced a a swordsman and he never struck a blow, he just evaded, evaded, evaded. Yeah, that's as you say, yeah, that's great. You know, it it sounds lovely, but yeah, it was a perfect situation with no pressure, uh, agreed rules of engagement, You you know, people on the sidelines ready to intervene. I am sure if something went wrong, they were just trying, the sword was just trying to get into a position where he could show superiority. I'm sure he wasn't actually trying to cut them down Mm -hmm. at that point because I I don't see Osensei being that stupid. Yeah, sure, come and attack me with your sword and kill me if you want. Mm, Yeah, no, (laughs) I don't see that happening. Uh, But you know, everything gets mystified and the legend grows and all that kind of thing. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but what I'm trying to say is that the the, the concept of what may have been happening has been, has most likely been skewed. So, on the one thing that, I, I, I mean, would want completely. to jump
0: in and add here, and that is from my experience in full contact uh, martial arts for a long, long time, yes, you can do that, but you have to be perfect in every one of your oh, evasions. Yeah. If you make, you one make a mistake, mistake, you're done. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that's yet another risk.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. as You're completely right, Tristan, is that uh, you have to be on point consistently, and it's much more difficult to defend an attack.
0: Yeah, and if you so, if yeah. you are more experienced than your opponent, like vastly more experienced, it's easier. But if he's oh, a, yeah. a, at your level, it's extraordinarily mm-hmm. difficult to make every one of your evasions and every one of your dodges and make it perfect, mm-hmm. as well as being in good enough condition because if he's as a, as conditioned as well as you are, or in better condition. Mm-hmm. Now you could run out of gas and if you run out of gas you're going to miss an evasion and you're you're done. So there's yeah. there's a number of factors at play there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why enemy is that aspect of attempting to control your environment. And mm-hmm. as you quite rightly pointed out, there are times when it's it's acceptable to attack and there's times when it's it's unwise to attack. And I'm not saying that everyone should just run in head first. Uh, straight into whatever comes at you. Uh, I'm, <laughs> the prime example of that is that's probably why Johnny Lawrence didn't win the All Valley because he didn't <laughs> attempt to block this. It was an illegal was a kick great to the reference. head, but, <laughs> but he ran straight into it and made no attempt to yeah. block it. So, upon on. Sorry, Johnny. He led with his face. <laughs> he yeah. led with his face. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> but without well, that,
1: we wouldn't have Cobra Kai. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and one, of, one of my reasons.
0: favorite examples, and I found many students resonate with this, is is really the perfect expression of a Rimi is going through walking through a revolving door if you step forward at the wrong time you're going to catch a door <laughs> right in the face but if you yeah, wait absolutely. for your moment and you enter that's when you get through the door and you do it mm-hmm. safely and uh it's just a simple matter of timing and and placement it is. yeah
1: and we, we have to also understand that a, aikido is a is a martial art about control mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a martial art that. Uh, and a study of an art or a martial system that is there to try and necessarily harm people. It has extremely dangerous techniques, you know, that are also extremely complex and difficult to perform. So yes, against a resisting opponent, a lot of what you see in Aikido won't work as you see it done in a technical format. Mm -hmm. It requires something to break your opponent's concentration, break their posture, break their stance. And that's why I use the term, destroy your opponent's structure. Mm -hmm. And you'll see this very much so. And there are other martial arts that do the same very differently. Wing Chun does the same. They don't destroy your structure, but they see this center line through your body and they'll Mm -hmm. attack on that center line. They'll not want to give up their center line and will want to control your center line while moving forward. That's irimi. We do it in Aikido. We'll do a triangular movement to the side, then move forward. Mm -hmm. For example, using Sokumen Iriminage. That itself is a direct form of irimi where you come to the side, then move diagonally through your opponent, cutting through their centre line from an angle. And that's the triangular aspect again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When it comes to dealing with strikes and aggressive situations, it makes sense to employ Irime rather than Tenkan. Mm-hmm. Okay, because if you're going to be struck, you want to control the attacking limb, whether it's a kick, a punch, a head, whatever, when that's on the drawback, not when it's on the way forward. Or if it is on the way forward, you want to get in and control that attack as quickly and swiftly and efficiently as possible. Because you don't want to wait until that strike has built up maximum momentum at the perfect distance to connect with you. That's where most damage is going to be done. You want to connect with it before it gets to that. That's what allows you to redirect it. So the 10 can itself struggles if the Irimi is not employed with it. Irimi is there to capture, enter, capture and Destroy and re control, give your aspect of control onto your opponent's attacking force. Without that, the Tenkan becomes extremely difficult unless you have a 100% compliant uki.
0: You know, years and ago, I, I came across this saying that said, Every Tenkan begins and ends with a rimi. I agree. Yeah.
2: And, and it and should I, do. The
0: more, the, once I heard that and I started realizing when Tenkan works and when I tend to fail with it, it fails when there's no ir- initial eremi. It's a small one, but it's that yeah. you t- take the range at which you do your turn, and yes. and then I heard the, the the reverse of that, which is that every eremi begins and ends with tenkon. That one was a harder one for me to 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 start to see in action, but the 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 first one definitely. Um, yeah, and and I think that there's there's a little exercise that I do with people to kind of drive home how effective. And I think what you're talking about with that Iremia is interception. You intercept mm-hmm. the, the attack before it fully forms up and becomes powerful. And yes. And what I'll do is, is I'll have a student stand there and then a ways away from me. And I'll say, I want you to approach me like you're just going to punch me in the head. And they they kind of they'll sort of walk or run up and they'll they'll drill where my head is. And I say, All right, back up and do it again. And they do it and I take a step towards them just as they approach me. And I suddenly see, you know, like their targeting computer just gets jostled. And I said, did that disrupt you a little bit? Like, I'm not hypnotizing you by saying that you can't attack me. You certainly can. But when I don't apply any pressure and I just stand there and I let you come forward and hit me, you have nothing to worry about. Or if I back up, that just lends you confidence. But by me stepping forward, just the fact that I step forward starts to disrupt your confidence, your footwork the planning that your brain's going through and and getting that fist to connect to my head, Mm -hmm. that starts to get challenged. And I I would say from a competition standpoint, we'd call that pressure. We're applying offensive pressure, not because I'm hitting him in response Mm -hmm. or doing anything harmful. I'm just taking away a lot of the the information that his brain is counting on to execute his attack properly.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, that book, uh, Aikido in a Dynamic Sphere, explained it very well. I think they talk about, How how do they classify it? I think it sounds like unified point of impact, Mm -hmm. which is the combination between the speed of the attack, the distance to the attack, and mind trying to calculate where it can get maximum effect. And by breaking up that unified point of it's something unified point of impact. By breaking that up, you make it more difficult to someone strike you effectively. Right. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hit. Now Personally, if I were to do a technique and get hit, I'd rather take, take the hit at 10% effectiveness rather than 100% effectiveness.
0: You are wise. So it's,
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would rather move into it. You know, it's, maybe it's why a lot of Scottish people have that reputation of always headbutting things. We're just getting our head in the way to start with before we do any damage. You know. But, Big go um, kiss. The old Glasgow kiss, that's the one. I thought we may as well bring it up. It'll come up in one of these eventually. So there we go. I'm not from Glasgow, but yeah, it's a Scottish staple. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it is. And there's, when I think back to that statement you made as well about every 10 can starts with Irimi, I'm going to come at this from a slightly different angle and I can see whether that can be true, but it's not a physical Irimi. Right. It's making sure that your posture is moving forward. The same way you would do a res- like in a, a resisted block. Again, there's, there's a lot of striking arts where you put a block out and then someone presses against it and you just hold resistance. Mm-hmm. You don't back up, you don't push forward, you just hold the moment. So you're extending through, the same as we do when you cut with the broken. You, you can tell people who understand this concept of Irimi with the Bokken and who don't. Irimi does not have to be moving in physically. It can be a redirection of your body weight through forward to an end point, i.e. the end of the Bokken, the end of your hand. And that type of enemy will apply with the Tenkan because as your opponent reaches for you or you intercept the attack, if you've got that forward momentum, there's no buckling of your body. And when you time that correctly, when force from a side or direct motion meets force that's been reapplied on an angular format that's then starting to rotate, if you make that point of contact between you and your partner, the center of the rotation, not you, but where your two limbs connect, Mm -hmm. if that then becomes the point of rotation and your body weight's going forward, your opponent starts to rotate around their point of impact and that's something that i always teach to everyone that comes to train because it's one of the most important things simply because i'm not going to receive their strike there i'm going to receive their strike out there with my body going forward and the rotation starting through that strike so that when they hit they're not hitting a solid substance they're hitting a solid substance that's rotating mm-hmm. you know and it basically acts like a pivot a pivot and that's where you want them to rotate. You don't rotate them through the center if they are striking, you rotate them through the point of impact. And that's what leads to the disruption that then allows you to go in and finish with your irime movement. And uh, we've actually been working on getting some videos and things of this up on the web, uh, on the YouTube page as well. So I'll send you the link to those when they're done. Sure. And they're broken down, they're made simple, but it's you can definitely see the body attitude. So the mental irime and the physical irime doesn't have to be moving you know, two foot across the mat in order for it to be effective. Sometimes it's just a movement into that core aspect of your partner and how they're attacking. And that's one of those things. I remember back, uh, oh, I should be going back, right in the 90s, I was at a karate course and there was a gentleman teaching on it and uh, it, was, it was a sixth dan. He had polio when he was a child. So his, his right side was quite atrophied.
2: Mm.
1: But when it brought his arm up to block, outside block, he was solid Mm. and it's because he showed me how to do it. It's because he brings his arm out then extends through his fingers and leans what he's got of his body weight towards his weak side. Mm -hmm. And it just creates this iron bar effect.
0: It's like good structure.
1: It's great structure. And again, I saw this reflected when I studied Wing Chun for a short period. They're all about the structure and I started to see the similarities. Then I looked at how we hold a Bokken and how we stand in posture. And look at how the structure should be applied there. Whenever we are holding the Bokken, it should be an extension of ourselves through towards our partner's centre line. So that if they try and rush forward, your sword will not move because it's an extension of you through to your partner's centre line, almost like a connection. The only thing that will happen is their sword will move and they'll run onto the point of yours. And that's what started me off in this concept of... Irimi is actually one of the most important things we can have in Aikido. And now, I, I'm not just talking about Irimi Nagi, because most Irimi Nagi is done really badly. It's, it's relying on your your partner getting a dunking and back up again. and You know, there's some really terrible stuff that you see being done with Irimi Nagi and very compliant hookies that, again, look great, look gorgeous um, flying through the air and all this. But a, a reality-style Irimi Nagi does not function like that. You know, and then... Once we start looking at the concept of enemy, we then start to understand how and why we do things a certain way, why the sword affects our Aikido. And this is why I've I've changed my sword work into a 20 weapon system similar to the Joe, with movements that reflect how we do our techniques, not the kind of standard traditional basic seven sword suburi that doesn't seem to have any bearing on what we do as Aikidoka, that you see Done quite a lot. So, it's uh, what we're doing now is we're looking at why are we raising the hands? Why are the feet moving at certain times? Why is the body moving forward? So, even raising the, the bokken up, you know, the, the bokken should never go behind your head. Mm-hmm. I flatly say that because when you raise a bokken behind your head, at what point in any technique you've ever done have you had your hands behind your head? Right. None. In fact, only when you're receiving shionage will your hands go behind your head. So nobody's going to tell me that practicing bokken is training you to take shihonage. That can't be right. Practicing bokken, because you don't move in a straight line forward when you're receiving shihonage, that'd be putting yourself into position, then running your feet away. It it doesn't make sense. So when we look at why we're using the bokken, when you raise the bokken, you're deflecting. It's a straight deflection up your center line. When you are raising the bokken, your feet should be moving in accordance with the raise. So when the raise comes up, the feet should be moving in closer together. That then means that if your partner changes what they're doing, you can still move back or move to the side, you've not committed yourself. If your front foot's the first thing that moves when you raise the blocking, you've just committed yourself into an oncoming attack. That's bad irime. And we should be thinking about those types of things. Why do we move the way we move? Why is our Aikido weak on the enemy aspect? when it could be so much stronger by bringing the body and the movement and the hand changes, the stance changes, the dropping center, bring all this into position, bring all this into alignment when we start to look at it. And that's where the Irmi really started to, I feel, I started to shine a light on it, particularly the way that we do techniques uh, uh, in my class in my dojo. And I started to look at this as, right, We do techniques to the top of the head, we do techniques to the shoulders, we do techniques to the hands. Surely that's what I want to be teaching people to cut. Cutting to the shoulder height, cutting to the hand height, cutting to the knee height for some of the uh, hip throws and things that we do. Let's get used to raising the sword correctly then moving the body forward in a positive motion towards the areas we're actually targeting. As opposed to just going through these traditional sword movements.
0: And I understand why in some many the yeah, traditional so- A few moments ago, or a few minutes ago that I really liked, and it kind of explains exactly what you're talking about. And that is mentally, Rimi. The idea mm-hmm. that your mental focus is on connecting. That you're not just standing there raising the sword up and down. You're actually focused on applying it. And yes, you know, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen, whether it's empty hand or, or with the sword or with the weapon, somebody standing there kind of just Their mind is sort of drifting around and their swords going up and down, but you know that there's no intention behind that. I suppose intention would be a good word to to describe your intention to actually cut something. And Mm -hmm. when you have that, that mental arime aspect, every movement that your body does takes on a different, a whole different. It follows. It will follow it. Yeah, exactly. And if you're constantly on
1: the back foot, if you're constantly thinking, move back, turn, redirect, you. That's where your mind lies. So you're constantly waiting on the attack, mm-hmm. you know. And it's one of the first classes I was at. Uh, I was I was asked to do a punch. Uh, obviously, I was a second Dan Karate at the time, so I, I come in with a very strong yaku ski, slid in good posture. He says, and he was like, "No, really, try and hit me." And I thought, "Okay, mm, he's an old man. I'm trying to." And I, and I moved in, and the like, no, bugger just moved to the side and brought his elbow up, mm-hmm. and I, I caught it. I caught it there. Mm-hmm. you know and I was like oh my god and then he moved in for Sokumenirumanagi I didn't know that's what he did I just remember thinking oh somebody's got hurt and then realised it was me because um, <laughs> it was a oh, noise um, but it was so subtle but he moved in with his elbow which mm-hmm. pulled my head back and that was it mm-hmm. I was done because all of my force <laughs> was still coming forward he attacked at one point in me his elbow was going from my eye socket Mm -hmm. you know so I pulled my head back and I caught it in the lip which was lucky otherwise a huge black eye Mm -hmm. but um that made a hell of an impact quite literally (laughs) on, on how I viewed Aikido because I thought again like I thought Aikido was a kind of softer martial art and this was someone showing me no it is a soft martial art it's a gentle martial art but it also gives you the power to be stronger and more aggressive if you train that way Right. No, he didn't tell me that outright. He, they kind of left me to work all that out myself. So I'm a firm believer that if you train hard and you train hard style and you train soft style, you have choices. If you only train soft style, you only have one choice. If you only train hard style, you only have one choice. But if you train with that capability to be both you know, supple and strong at the same time, then you suddenly open up a whole range of different options strategically that you can bring to bear. You can be what, what and I should say as well, when I talk about you me, there's no aggression here. And this is the part that starts to get a wee bit away, but not much. You just have to bear with it. There's no aggression there. There is no thought whatsoever for your opponent. So I'm not trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm. I'm moving my body effectively against an an external force. That's the way I look at it.
0: You know, the, the technique so, that you describe is one of my favorites. And because it it describes exactly what you're talking about and lets a student, like the first time they're exposed to that, feel what it's like to, A, to enter, B, to do it protected, so they cover the vulnerable parts of their body, but they also, in one step and one motion, take away uh, Uke's ability to cause them harm, at least for the mm. most part, or cause them any serious harm, and take their posture all in one motion. <clears throat> now, years ago, I'd heard of this quote from Morahai who said um, something like, uh, self defense is stepping off the line and cutting mm. in one motion. And I, I've gone uh, recently to try to look that up to confirm it. Uh, I haven't, haven't been able to find it, but the, it kind of brings that to light, which you talked about earlier, which was you do that, that offline entry step that triangle step, mm-hmm. and then you cut, whether the cut is with the arms, like the, we would call it a Sayunage, but um, the mm-hmm. Sothman-Irimi-Nage, ir- I guess it's got a number of other names too, but mm-hmm. really you're you're protecting yourself, you're getting into an advantage position, you're covering in such a way that you're very hard to, to hurt, and then you're taking away by positioning, primarily, because mm-hmm. posture and ability to, to harm you, you're crowding their space. Um, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. and if by placement, you're doing that now. The harder they're coming in, basically, the harder they run into you. And what I've found is, if you enter thinking you're going to jam your elbow into their head, you're probably going to lean and, and compromise your own posture. But if mm-hmm. you think the, this no man's land between us, I'm taking it. Yes, go in, yeah. in that position with that mindset. And if you run into me, I'm sorry, but you know you're running into me. Not mm-hmm. I'm not causing harm to you, and you know, uh, we'd always have this phrase, uh, energy in is energy out. So the harder the <laughs> attack comes, the harder you run into, you know, the 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 shell or the that that a temi body, that striking body. Um, yeah. So it's and it's a great lesson that, that I can teach somebody on their very first day and, and it mm-hmm. lives at home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I usually do that just so that they can see that. Um, this is not just a soft art. We, we will be soft at times, mm-hmm. but we'll also be quite hard. And it, it, it will also feel quite threatening. And not threatening, again, as in it's an, it's an aggressive, you know, macho, testosterone-filled environment. I don't mean it that way. Is that it, it's threatening in the terms of, just like you put there, where you think you're going to be able to do something, I'm going to be there stopping you from doing that. Mm-hmm. And that's... The, to me, I, th- I think that's a good way. I like the way you put that there. That's the best way of looking at me. It's, it's about moving in, and I used the word destruction earlier. I'm going to use it again. Destroying your opponent's intent and capability to occupy that, that mm-hmm. central area, that no man's land, where they can then step up to the next point, which is hurting you. Mm-hmm. So if you're already there and you're already in, and you're already controlling that environment, or you're forcing their body into a position through their own manipulations Mm -hmm. into a position where they cannot control that central environment, then that's you that's you succeeding. Mm -hmm. And what we have to remember is, Aikido is a very close martial art. It's a close quarters martial art. It's not designed for 10 foot apart combat. It's right in your face Mm -hmm. type of thing. When you start to apply techniques, you may start far apart for safety, which is great. And then you build up and build up and build up. But with, particularly when I train with my Dan grades, I expect them to be about two feet maximum from me when we start to instigate attacks. Mm-hmm. And you have to shut that down straight away. And right. it doesn't matter if you make the right decision or the wrong decision. The fact that you shut it down with that good, positive mental enemy you know, attitude where everything's moving forward, mm-hmm. bam, in you go. That's enough to disrupt that attack and buy you those microseconds to make subtle changes to where they are and then start to do a technique. But you cannot do the majority of the techniques without first engaging with your opponent. And I believe that's why we always start from hand grabs, wrist grabs, shoulder grabs, because we immediately get the feel and the sensation of working with someone. And what I always tell my students is, I don't want sound like Bruce Lee here, but don't think about what you're going to do. Feel what they're doing and react to what you feel. You know, don't think about it. Feel it. And it's the same once you engage Irimi. You know when you move in and you make that point of contact, either with them or with the attacking limb, you know exactly what's going to happen to their body because the majority of us all react the same. They're going to do exactly what would happen to you if someone did this to you. And by repetition muscle memory, constant training, your irime becomes an essential function and part of every single technique you do because you know yourself what the effect of this irime is going to be. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you've got a good idea what techniques you're going to get away with and what you are. If you move in with an irime that's defending against a head strike and you drop your body weight and then you cut your hand down at that point of impact, you know Tenkan is out the window at this point because their arm's going to be back, your body weight's going to be in on their elbow, Tenkan is out the way. You physically can't do it. They're leaning back and over. But basic entry, iriminage, Tenshinage, Ikkyo, kokyunage, even to some extent, if you wanted, wanted to go down that route, uh, Aikyo Toshi, where you then turn, grab the legs and flip them because the weight's already going backwards, is always on the cards. You have so much there to choose from,
2: that you can
1: do Showmanati as well. Yeah, yes. I just, I just simply slap through the face. Right. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and it's, you know, it's everything's there that you need.
0: Well, and do. you know, I like how you describe the range thing because, you know, I, I go back and I, I play in my mind how many instructors will say, well, always get good, my always be three feet away so that your attacker has to take a step towards you. And that by and large is sound advice. But in reality, we know that we don't always get perfect Mai in in a real situation. Somebody could start talking to you at a foot away from you. And then it comes into the reaction gap. Now, if you always have somebody three feet away or just beyond arm's reach, you have the benefit of the time that you can see them approach. And and of course, Mm -hmm. most Aikidos practice this way. In fact, most martial arts is. But we always want to be safe by being far enough away. They approach. We can see how they approach. We can start doing our analysis of what they, what attack they are about to throw. But within that arm's reach, suddenly now you've got the reaction gap problem that if he mm-hmm. moves first, he's probably gonna land a blow on yes. you unless you have raised your hands or have a fence up or some, have some kind of measure and are ready to go. Like you cannot hesitate for a half second. And that's to me where the mental Urimi part comes in. Once somebody crosses into that dangerous range, you have to be ready to respond instantly, which is risky, or you have to move first. Whether even if it's mm-hmm. a simple shove of pushing somebody back, a foot, you know, a little bit, and say, "Hey, stay, stay away from me. I don't want you this close." Something as simple as that, but within that reaction gap, if he's within arm's reach or even closer. Mm-hmm. He, he moves first, fast. I think it's you're going to be lucky to respond and not take a, a solid shot if he decides yeah. to throw it. And yep. to me, that's that's the, the a big answer of the why, Irimi. Now, when that's up to your judgment, whether or not you feel that you can move first if you are being mm-hmm. intimidated, verbally threatened, that you feel that pressure, that offensive pressure coming at you, how to deal with it. And you know, as instructors, what we can't give our students is judgment of how to analyze that's that particular no, situation. No. We can't do that. But the tools that you recognize, I, uh, you know, I'm not in my eye anymore. I can't predict or or try to try to see what it is they're about to do. I have to move to an advantage position. I have to make them take the long way to get me, if possible. Or if those aren't possible, I need to enter and mm-hmm. and get to that safe space. And and I, the reason I love entry so much, like I said before, was in that type of a situation. Somebody walks up to you. Maybe they're starting to get bristled and they're getting angry. And you step into them even without raising a hand to them that gives them a very strong signal that you're not backing off you're not afraid Mm -hmm. and now you are applying pressure to them as they are applying pressure to you and they will make one of two decisions either they will escalate or they'll realize all right this guy's in a pushover and maybe i need to back off Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: with all the, the research i've done over the years and decades now on bullying bullies will often, more often than not, back down once they once they come into a bit of that resistant pressure. Because they mm-hmm. don't want to fight generally, they want to intimidate. And they yeah. if you back down or you do not stand up for yourself, they will view that as a success and they will keep
1: they'll, going. But yeah, often they'll push it and it'll escalate it. And the yeah, same behavior right.
0: happens in children, as in teens, as in adults, when this level of behavior comes in. And so to me, that's another expression of that mental irimi. When you're not afraid yeah. and you will enter into that space, even before the physical stuff starts, it's profound, the difference mm-hmm. that, of that 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 exchange can, can the outcome can be, mm-hmm. one one or the other. But if you think mm-hmm. passively, boy, you're giving that bully or, or your, your, your attacker a full license. Mm-hmm. That was,
1: I, I can tell you, I, I Cannot name names for this, uh, but um, <laughs> one, one of my older instructors, uh, going back a few, God, a long time ago now, must be nearly 20 years, um, he used to work in security at sports stadiums and things. He's now gone on to uh, professional like kind of policing and all that. That's why I can't see who he is. So um, he used to run a team of security officers that would infiltrate crowds and sit in areas where, where they saw things starting off, fans getting a little rowdy and uh, I don't know what it's like in the uh, NFL or NHL or anything like that when sports kicks off. But over here, football can be quite aggressive with fans, uh, and it, it was a particularly bad match down south, and he was getting reports that a couple of fans were getting rowdy. There was a group of six or seven or eight of them, and uh, they were starting to throw things onto the pitch, You know, throw bottles into the stand around them and things like that. So he infiltrated, went down, And he watched them for a minute, identified who looked like the biggest troublemaker and sat and just kind of walked in and stood literally beside him. Showed them the badge and says, look, you're going to have to calm down. Uh, Otherwise, things are going to get a bit nasty here. And the fella turned to him and said, look, do you think you can take down all of us? And he says, no, but I will take down you. And all of a sudden the, the gentleman started to back off a little and started to quiet. And what he told me was as soon as he started to, to uh, as soon as he started to quieten down, all seven started to quieten down a bit. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't understand. There's this person standing next to him and all of a sudden he shut up. And a couple of mastovers have been okay. And he said, Yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Meanwhile, my instructor was standing beside him all this time and just stood there for, an, for 30 minutes. And the whole situation just fizzled out. He identified the bully, he identified the person causing the majority of the problem, he identified who was leading the rest on, went in, took away that individual's power to continue doing what he was doing, and possibly avoided what could have been a kind of large scale fight within the football stands. I'm not saying he did, we'll never know. But again, it's, that is irony. You know, that's going in with you know, positive that, the,
0: attitude. The thing I like most about that story, not only is it a, a great Arimi, but it's a, a, a testament to the fact of an appropriate level of a Temi or of a. Of yes. Arimi. It yeah. is not, he didn't go in there and tackle the guy and haul him out with four four. No. That would have caused a riot. Mm-hmm. Instead, it would yeah. Arimi, but at an appropriate level and at a very wise strategic I mean that—that's the the application of ultimate strategy. I mean, Sun Tzu would have would have appreciated that. He did, he didn't even have to fight a battle, because no, no. Of how he applied yeah. his strategy.
1: Yeah, he shot one arrow and literally stopped the battle. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a fantastic way to do it. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was it was an excellent instructor. And but mm-hmm. it, it was it was mightily capable. And again, it was he was one of the people that that helped open me up to posture me attitude in Aikido and that's something that I find, that Irimi mentality just seems to be lacking a lot nowadays Uh, particularly higher up in the echelons of Aikido where Aikido is being bullied, Mm -hmm. Aikido as a martial art is being bullied and the majority of the people at the top are doing nothing about it they're Mm -hmm. making no attempt to stand up for themselves, they're making no attempt to engage and say look, I'm not going to fight you about this but you know, this is what we do and this is our thing and this is how it works. Sure. You know, there's there, there's there's no attempt to resolve this situation. It's been left to the boots on the ground guys, mm-hmm. you know, to to take all the flack and all the nonsense. And I still get people every other week contact me, you know, how can you do that? It's rubbish. Why are you doing this martial art? It's it's crap, you know, mm-hmm. Steven Seagals are such and such. And I'm like, Yeah, well, I'm not gonna, you know, that's that's he's nothing to do with me. Why are you bringing him up? You know, it's like it's, 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 we shared the first name, Whoopi.
0: So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, all you Stevens that's a bit are right. like. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, we're all <laughs> well you know I um... and I want to say too that like I said before with Tenkan and Arimi, to me they they are two tactics, if you call them that, that need to be in balance. And it's not as though a is superior, but it clearly, like in the example that you just showed about or talked about with the in the football stadium. Mm -hmm. uh tencon buys you time in that sense if your friend had just said well let's see how this plays out while he watched an escalation go from mild to to more extreme and not intercepted it chances are it would have gotten to something that he he could not have controlled by himself he i mean absolutely turned into something so yeah. someone with that would heart. be a great description of, of when TenCon is not a good strategy when you yeah. need to yeah. deal with something that's of imminent importance. Um so, so see, yeah, that's, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that story in my mind because that's a great way to because yeah. everybody As, I think it, can see that picture or has seen what it looks like, whether it's in a bar, or whether it's you know a crowd of people yeah. and things start to boil, start to simmer and then they turn into a boil and then uh-huh. they blow over or you yeah, blow up. I can
1: still remember the way my sensei looked at me when he was telling the story and it was his eyes and everything. He went, he goes, no, but I will stop you. Mm-hmm. And I, I get shivers. I was like, oh, that's, oh, <laughs> oh that was serious. And I remember, because I was much, much younger, but it was just that whole kind of, oh, he really means that. He really, he really, really meant that.
0: You know, and I, and I, I love the way that, that putting the term mentally uh, in Urimi on that, in that, in fact, that you could see his intent, even when he, he simulated mm-hmm. what he showed. And I've seen this in competitors. I've seen it in, in professionals. Uh, I, I always called it like when I see them drop the fangs, when you realize you're not dealing mm-hmm. with just a nice chum here anymore. No, now no, you're dealing with somebody who means business. And yeah, they will usually yeah. tell you, you're standing right on the borderline right now. So you either yes. back away or there's gonna be an issue. And you can see how serious there are in their eyes mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, as as people who train martial artists, if you don't have the confidence to deliver that intent to somebody, they'll see it and they'll call you on it. And that's that's Mm -hmm. the day. That's why we train so diligently so that we we know that if it does go to it, it, you will take that one guy down Mm -hmm. and that you're ready to do it. Um, It, It's the quiet place. It's mm -hmm. it's.
1: I, I like to make this analogy to students as well. Um, if, if you watch genuine professional boxers or fighters,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when they're on their way out to the ring, everyone thinks that's their game face. Mm-hmm. That's not their game face. That's their show face. Mm-hmm. The game face was three minutes before that when they're sitting on a bench, quiet, in their own space, getting ready. So that by the second the door opens and they step out, they're already on point. That's their way of preparing their own mental enemy for themselves to ensure they have the proper attitude, the proper focus, the proper forward intent, and in what they have to do. Yeah, it looks great. They're on their way out to the ring. They've got the hoods on. They're jumping up and down. <laughs> punches coming everywhere. The crowd's going wild. That's not the game face. The game face was the moments before that the crowd never saw, mm-hmm. where they have that quiet moment to themselves, getting themselves switched on, and. In real situations, we don't have time to switch the game face on.
0: True.
2: So
1: that that's where the the kind of, the challenge comes within mm-hmm. Aikido and any martial art. I like the term that Oseensei phrased, it, Masagatsu, Agatsu, Katsu, Hayabe. True victory is victory over yourself in a single instant.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's where you train to the point where even though you can't you don't need the game face to be there. Your actions take over. Your body and mind reacts as one unit instantly.
0: You know, I'm and glad that, you I, put that that on there because I've never heard that second part before in a single instant. And K- Katsu Hayabi, yeah, yeah, because the adding that changes the 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 tenor of that completely whole changes phrase. it. Yeah, and what that says to me is you 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 have victory over yourself which includes your fears your hesitations your everything yeah your thinking too much all of the stuff that all the garbage that gets in the way of you performing perfectly because you've trained your body to do what it to act without needing your forebrain to plan and, and plot and and organize and and what have you and so mm-hmm. I'm really glad that that we that you brought that up because like mm-hmm. I said without that then you just say well I just train because I want to improve myself and and that can lead into an almost narcissistic oh yeah yeah sort sort of a training place when you say all I care about is me all I care about yeah. is you know being better than I was and and I've seen a lot of martial artists lose focus because they attach themselves to the first part of that mm-hmm. phrase so much that they mm-hmm. lose p- track of that second part of what it takes yeah. in that instant when you're fighting. You basically have to fight yourself to, to yeah. op, uh, operate at your best. And that's what
1: I always bring to my students is that don't look to control your opponent, your partner. Mm-hmm. Control yourself. Mm-hmm. When you control your... You cannot hope to control them if you mm-hmm. are uncontrolled. Right. So all your movements from enemy, from Tenkan, mm-hmm. anything you're doing, your sword work, Bokken work, any work with you do with the Tanto, whatever you are doing, if you are uncontrolled uncoordinated not in yourself you cannot hope to control another human being when you're not controlling you
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and me, can you the,
0: only take half of that phrase and say only control yourself which implies no, you're right. not paying any attention to your opponent you do in fact Correct. i think yeah. that when you when you get to that point when you are so comfortable operating your body in an efficient way and you don't have to think about it that frees your mind to watch and listen Mm -hmm. to your opponent so that you can read what they're doing and your body will operate all on its own without you needing to to worry about it. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's that, that reading, you know, an opponent part I've seen, I've seen competitors that are really good technicians that have that struggle because they are so worried about their technical proficiency and they aren't paying much attention to what their opponent's doing. And they get surprised and they get taken out. Meanwhile, I've seen competitors that consistently do very well and control their opponents and but their technical movements aren't as precise. Now that's not to say you can be sloppy but reading opponents well and I think that this is something this is just my theory. I think this is a talent that Morahai Oeshiba had in spades that he just had tremendous insights in reading opponents movements and where (laughs) they were going and could be right where they didn't right where he needed to be to influence them in, in a very efficient way. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that he, that was a skill that he had a very hard time conveying to his students.
1: Yes, I agree. and Because it is,
0: it, it's, a, it's a crazy talent that is very hard to transmit.
1: Yes, you, you can't t- teach this. And again, this is something I, I tell my students quite a lot. Don't try and copy what I'm doing. <laughs> Listen to what I'm saying, watch how I'm doing it, but don't try and do exactly what I do. I'm a different size, shape, age, mentality. I come from a different background. What's that got to do with martial arts? Everything. Mm -hmm. Because I might be more inclined to take a more aggressive stance than someone who never had to do much in life to get where they are. You know, so there's (laughs) there's different things that can happen. all of our life structures, how we react as a martial artist, and you know if you're downtrodden and oppressed you're going to have a more aggressive bent on what you're doing it's just a standard fact you know if you are uh, from a softer easier lifestyle you're going to have a softer easier attitude to life therefore adopting harsher things doesn't come naturally to you i know i'm painting a blanket canvas across the whole of society when i say that and i know there's exceptions to every rule but for the most part i've found it to be true over the years you can generally spot when someone walks into the dojo you go okay, here we go, I've got a psycho. Or you go, okay, this guy looks a bit soft. I remember years and years and years ago, uh, a, a lady brought a child into my karate class. And this poor wee boy, now I've, I've always been chunky, but this, this boy was round and he was about nine years old, it was a kid's class, and he's eating a chocolate bar that's all over his face, and the mother said to me, can you make him tough? And I thought, no, that's your job. Your job's to prepare him for life, I'm just going to teach him karate and, help him learn some life skills, which will probably help towards that. But And I did say that to him. I said, look, he can come and learn karate. And he was great. He was great with cats. He loved all that stuff. It was fabulous. You know, but um, he was never big on the kumite. He was never big on fighting because he, he was just a wee soft boy. Do you know what I mean? He, he didn't want to fight, but he loved doing kata. Do you know? And it's like, he was just one of those soft people. And obviously, you know, the mother and the father wanted him to be a much tougher guy, but he was he was never going to be that. No, you 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 can't take an apple seed and plant it and get an orange tree. It's never going to happen. We all have different things in life, you
2: sure.
1: know. <laughs> you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. End of story. Uh, and it, it, was, it was a lovely fellow. I grew up in a fantastic young man, you know, did well for himself in life. And uh, but he it, it was never that hardcore person the parents mm-hmm. wanted him to be, which was kind of odd uh, that you got that sense from him as soon as he walked in and yeah reading people's a huge thing about the martial arts the same as it is about reading situations and again that's that whole katsu hayabe thing is, is about being in the moment so whoever you're working with you have to be in the moment with them whoever you're teaching you have to be in the moment with them when you're training you have to be in that moment nothing matters mm-hmm. but that moment so when we start to apply the techniques like Irimi. To individuals, we also have to be aware of who we're training with. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that everybody that comes out of my class, you get the crap kicked out of you and you all get wavy bruises. I've had, have a, I'm trying to think, I've never touched wood, never had a serious injury in one of my classes. I had that course I was at once, someone broke a collarbone. But uh, I've never had any of my students seriously injured uh, ever because we train sensibly. We train within our own limitations and oh, sure. ourselves. So it's, but at the same time, we want to train effectively. And uh, when it comes to applying all of these different aspects of technique, even Tenkan, Tenkan relates to the Joe movement, Mm. you know, and the the Joe's all about Tenkan, but it's not about Tenkan outside our body. It's about Tenkan inside your opponent. The Tenkan happens inside them, not outside them. Mm. The rotation and turn. Should be a rotation and turn of their center so whether you're displacing their center on a horizontal or a vertical or an xyz three-dimensional axis which is what you should be doing all the time mm-hmm. you, you know whether it's just rotating the jaw and changing a grip and breaking someone's posture or altering the muscle alignment in their arms so you can then reutilize it and change direction with it it's all the same focus the irami aspect is still there with the tin can same as that Tenkan aspect is always kind of slightly there with the EREMA as well. The two do work hand in hand. And it's, it just seems kind of odd sometimes that when you have different people from different backgrounds, from different aspects coming in, that when we go to apply it, it still affects everyone the same. That's where I was going with that, is, is that it doesn't matter if you get the cycle coming into the class or the, the soft person coming into the class. They will all learn efficiently and your ability to read who they are change, will adapt with how you apply each of these techniques and things to people.
0: You know, when you mentioned the, the, the personality aspect, I, I reflected that, that one of my instructors, one of my main instructors, he was really good at Tenkan techniques. And um, he didn't teach as much of a Rimi family of techniques. Uh, and what I, as he and I became friends, uh, you know, uh, throughout our years, I, I realized that his Aikido reflected his personality to a certain degree, he was more of an introvert. Um, he was not terribly comfortable with confrontation generally, uh, very friendly. Um, and to me that is sort of the personality of TenCon, where you buy yourself time you allow things to kind of form around you. Uh, whereas my personality is a bit more assertive. So when he did teach uremi techniques, I took to him kind of like a mm. duck to water. In fact, if anything, I had the fault of my own personality where I was impatient. When I were something I would want, I would, all right, what do I need to do? I'm going after it. I was basically uremiing all over the place. And what I found was that in learning, ten, trying to learn to do tenkan. That side of my personality, I started to see the value of it, even though at my core I was the orange tree or the apple tree or whichever one it was. Yeah. I would still have that intent of saying, I want to go after something. I'm going to have that mentally re-me. But I also see the value of, okay, right now at this moment, this is not the time to enter. Now I need to be patient or now I need to, to turn, let things evolve. And I found that when I had business dealings or relationship dealings, that patience really helped me where I, in my younger time, would have jumped in and probably done or said something stupid or made the situation not better. Just allowing things to take their time when, mm-hmm. that, when that was the opportune moment helped me grow as a person. And, mm-hmm. and I've seen that with, with students just like you describe, where you come in and you're like, this is a pretty timid person, pretty shy. And and I, but I, and I found that under, under that, underneath their personality or their personality it uh, is the way it is. And But when they see these different methods, they can see, okay, I'm not going to turn into an assertive person maybe, but now I see when there's an opportunity for assertiveness to be of value to me. And I, I'm confident that I can go do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I agree with you that, you know, underneath that, that spirit that's underneath us uh, will always be there. I think it will grow and it will modify a little bit, but at its core, there's certain <laughs> core aspects that won't be there. But I have seen where when you get down to showing people the value of, of Iremi, especially when you can say and show them how it feels when you take an attacker's power away by intercepting it, when they mm-hmm. see the timing. And and this is actually brings me to the second thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, just this last week or two, I've been filming some uh, videos for for promotion for like a video promo for my dojo, and uh, so I had a student. And I said, "All right, I want you to give me. You know, we we planned out the the attacks we wanted to do, and I said, I want you to give me 100% vigorous. Let me have it, like take my head off." And you know, I went to where the Aikido that I have want always wanted. And I, you know, executed with, I will try to do exactly perfect timing, which, you know, I, I did for the most part, every once in a while, we, we had an outtake that wasn't quite the way I wanted it. But <laughs> when I went back and watched the footage, what I noticed was it looked like it was in slow motion. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm used to watching John Wick and action movies and all that stuff where everything goes really fast and the eye is drawn to speed and, and it creates that drama. And I watched the demonstrations and I saw my student like those attacks are at full speed, but it looks like I'm not moving very much. But mm-hmm. then I thought that's not a bug, that's a feature. And I did a lot yeah. of arimi. There was very little TenCon, because, to me, in a self-defense situation, arimi is going to be probably a more reliable tool, you know, provided mm-hmm. you have the right timing. And mm-hmm. and that's the the other thing that that I noticed. And this comes back from my competition days when I was always wondering, how do I. How do I overcome somebody who's faster than I am? And it's, yeah. you can't solve that problem by just becoming faster because there will always be somebody faster than you. And as you age, you don't get any faster. In fact, you get slower. You have to move mm-hmm. smarter. And so as I watched this footage, I realized this is what I really want my Aikido to be. And I, and, and I, that's the way all my martial arts I've tried to make. Since I realized that when I was around 30, again, my body is going to get older. It's not going to get <laughs> faster. So I need to learn how to move as smart as possible, which includes good timing and perfect execution or as close as I can get to it. And Mm -hmm. so I was I was happy with with what I saw for how it looked, because I haven't filmed myself in a while doing technique. So, you know, you're always surprised when you watch yourself (laughs) because it's the one person (laughs) you never get to really see. Um, Yeah. But the idea that you you don't outspeed your opponent, you you outsmart them. And you do that with good timing. And, and when, it, when I, Irimi has that good timing, you don't need to rush. You don't need to, mm-hmm. to burst or explode or use athleticism. It's smooth and, and elegant and effective. It winds up being that that one cut that ends the conflict. And to me, yeah. I guess that's to go back to the why of Irimi, that, that is my uh, desired answer for, for that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Yes, I agree
1: completely, Tristan, and uh, if, if we can jump back to that phrase quickly, you know, true victory is self-victory mm-hmm. in a single instant. I, I, I also translate that, just as you've been talking about there, is to, uh, in a more simpler Western concept, is maximum effect, minimum effort. Right. It's a nice simple way to look at it. That's exactly what beautifully elegant.
0: About. I, I love that Judo absorbed that as <laughs> their yeah, little catchphrase. It's, it's perfect. I,
1: Absolutely. And it's, it, it's that, that's what we're looking for, is that the, the, the movement should be small and contained and your Aikido should tighten as you get more experienced. It's good. You have to start big. You have to start with big, Absolutely. wide movements to build the muscle memory, to build the understanding of the technique, to feel what it feels like to take up the slack between your opponent's arm and yours, and then use that as a guiding tool to redirect their centre, but eventually you want to shorten it all down, shorten it down. And I'm talking about, to just disrupt all the readers, the listeners, I'm talking about 20, 30 years, somewhere down the line, you want Mm -hmm. to start really, this will naturally, you don't want to start doing it, it will start tightening. Mm -hmm. Until that one day where, you know, you're just training with someone and all of a sudden you've whapped on an EQ and didn't even realise you'd done it. It was just, you're wondering who's screaming, looking about the room. (laughs) <laughs> Where's that noise coming from? And there's some <laughs> poor schmo on the ground screaming, uh, you know, where things just got so tight. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is, it's, that's a natural development. And I think that's where we all want to go with this, is that Irimi shouldn't be something we strive for. It should be a concept that we adopt into ourselves. The same with Tenkan. And for me personally, Irimi is easier to understand and to begin to work with. Even though everyone loves Tenkan, Tenkan's all flashy. But if I can just point out, we are linear bipeds. Mm -hmm. So Irimi is the most maximum effect, minimum effort use of our posture Mm -hmm. because we are made for going forwards Mm -hmm. in a straight line and then angling and changing direction. We're not made for mad circling motions like a dog chasing its tail we don't have the stability and structure for circling that's why when we do adopt tenkan we have to adopt that the triangle circle square attitude the square being ourselves we have to always try and somewhere with our posture achieve four points of contact with the ground Mm -hmm. what yeah i can hear people saying that yeah you can achieve four points of contact with the ground two through your feet and two through how you alter your balance within your structure to give you at least a semi-stable foundation that's not easily toppled. It is possible. How you place your arms, where you place your hips, where you rotate your core, how you place your feet. You can achieve a four-point contact, not directly, but, you know, projected downwards. You can do it. Uh, And that becomes really important. Once we have that, we start to do Tenkan. And, but enemy comes naturally to us because it's it's direct movement and it's so mm-hmm. simple. And just like you pointed out earlier, once someone goes to take a punch at you, just step in towards them. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a big roundhouse punch, it's going to miss you. Or mm-hmm. at worst, you're going to get a, a dink on the side of the head, And but, you, but their face is there, you know, and you know what comes next. You're talking mm-hmm. to a Scotsman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can guarantee who's coming off worse than that engagement. But, uh, yeah, if you just take a step in, you've changed all that UPA that we talked about, unified point, UPI, UPA is a glue, <laughs> unified point of impact. Um, and, you know, if everything happens. And it sounds like that's what you were doing in your in your demonstration videos. You were minimum movement, maximum effect, and it looks weird when you see it. And you think, oh, it's not quite, oh, okay.
0: I'm surprised at that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, it's, it's so strange and... But it's when you, when you participate in that demonstration, it's palpable. I mean, you can, you can feel a massive difference. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, one of the things with Iremi, too, that I like, that is kind of what you're talking about, which is Iremi tends to be fewer steps. And I'm not talking about steps like your feet walking. It's fewer uh, increments to your goal. It, they tend to yes. be shorter, shorter, quicker. In my opinion, fewer things to go wrong. The more steps you have in a, in the execution of a technique, each one of those introduces a new point, potential point of failure. You step mm-hmm. wrong, you twist, you hit a rock in your with your foot, or you, you know, any of these things, the longer something goes on, the longer there is time for, for something to go wrong or for it to go in a way that you didn't you didn't see, you didn't pick up. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that that Irimi is necessarily superior to TenCon. If it's used at the wrong time, it is certainly inferior to TenCon. Um, yes, completely. I.e., yeah, you know, Johnny Lawrence leading with Johnny his,
1: Lawrence, uh, yeah.
0: You know, um, but but I, I I do stress that, especially to my students, that the more time you take playing with your food, the more chance it has of going wrong and you mm-hmm. turning into the food. And so, like I said, whether that's you don't have space to do ten con, because that's another thing about ten con, it usually takes more because you're moving farther and it takes a bigger area which on a mat no big deal you got all the room in the world um mm-hmm. but you're cornered up somewhere you know and you don't have much room uh, yeah. that can limit and that's another beauty part to me of the remi is it takes advantage of a small space you can mm-hmm. you can get a lot even if you're you're crammed in um, yeah so it's
1: one of the things I tell my students you'll hear me say this a lot one of the things I tell my students a lot what uh, what I also like to reflect to my students is to get a good Tenkan, you need an Atemi. Mm-hmm. To get an Irimi, Irimi is your Atemi.
0: I'm sorry, say that again?
1: The, to, to enable Tenkan, you need to have an Atemi, a strike. Mm-hmm. Okay, with Irimi, Irimi is your Atemi.
0: Irimi is the Atemi, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, so it is the Atemi. It is what is going to be causing the disruption in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if someone's coming to grab you or attack you and you want to take them into katagatame shoulder lock, which is mm-hmm. invariably a tenkan movement because you've got to come under the arm, then rotate in a mm-hmm. circular motion. It's very difficult to do that when someone's trying to grab you. You need to disrupt their arms, their shoulders. So invariably there's going to be a strike to the face, push the head, lift the elbow, attack mm-hmm. the arms. There's got to be something to break that strong grip they've got on you. Once you achieve that, then you can move in for the katagatami. Mm-hmm. If someone were were coming in to grab in the exact same motion, and you wanted to move direct tenshinage, you move straight in, palm under the chin, tenshinage, part of the irimi family down the go. So one is the strike, and one requires a strike. But they, as you say, they all have different basis. I usually find tenkan is for controlling, irimi is for dispatching for want of a better word Uh, and that a lot of the irime movements are designed to put someone down without the need for or without the capability for a direct control you have to follow up in order to achieve control and as an aikidoka i am not about to follow up with somebody on the ground there's no way in hell i'm going to start reaching down for someone Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just not going to happen because i don't have the ground skills for that as an aikidoka Mm-hmm. but uh, I have the ground skills, but not as a Nikidoka. I don't teach it in the class, sure. you know, because my students don't have the ground skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also got a, a good judo background there as well. Uh, however, the when it comes to Irimi Tenkan, once you get that 10 and you get that lock or control and you start to turn, and this also includes like Sankyo, takedowns, Katagatami. It also includes Ikyo ikyo Ura to the back, or changing that into Nikio, Sankyo, Yonkyo, Gokio, Rokyo, any one of that family, you're going down into a position where you're in control of a limb, therefore you can immediately lock that place. You know, not to be done when there's a group. Clearly, <laughs> in fact, on a one-to-one basis, you know, great. But for the kind of larger environment where you do not want to be going to ground at all, I usually find that Irime techniques are the ones that you want to employ.
0: Well, and Irimi is what finishes the conflict and as much as Mm -hmm. you're turning and you're buying time, which you could even view as, you know, like two opponents circling one another, it'll end when one of those enters and that's, you know, kind of back to the revolving door is if you stand there and just let the door just keep spinning and you don't enter, you're never going to get through. Mm -hmm. The intent of saying I'm going through the next opportunity I get is your fastest way through the door. And, and in my opinion, you, know, you don't want to force a, an entry into, the, into a, the wrong space or at the wrong mm-hmm. time. You don't want to be so eager to, to end that you do something stupid. But once you spot that opportunity or you create that opportunity, that, that mental irimi is now it's over. This should be mm-hmm. done deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where I think uh, being careful not to mess around uh, as well as being lazy where you think, "Oh, I've got more time. I'll do it. I'll kind of watch for, uh, and watch and wait it can be mm-hmm. dangerous. I mean, you are watching and waiting, but you need that full intent. All right, Steven, mm-hmm. still there. Okay. There we go.
1: Yeah, I'm still there. Someone tried to call me there. Sorry.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. No worries. Um, yeah. And that, but the intent, in my opinion, has to be on ending the conflict, just as, as your security guard friend in the stadium said yeah. my job is to end this it doesn't mean i'm going to get in a fight over it but i have to go deal with this right now and i have to
2: mm-hmm.
0: i have i have to solve this problem and i don't have time to wait it out or to you know wait and see or to you know mess around i got to get it done mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and i think that yeah, that's absolutely describing that is is not um, is a little bit difficult in in, in saying that you need to keep a, a calm and professional attitude, not one that says, I got to go flying over there and jump in
2: yeah, like yeah. a berserk.
0: You know, that's obviously doing it stupid. Um, and that can be done on, on a one-on-one physical level as much as a, okay, how am I going to solve this complex problem? Um, mm-hmm. You know, walk over calmly and deal with it directly, I would say, yeah. rather than jump in like an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, and I, because I think as, as, especially with people that are, maybe they're, uh, uh introverted or, or shy mm-hmm. or, or they are not comfortable with, with confrontation or conflict and their, their back of their mind says, oh, wait a little bit, don't get involved. This is maybe a little bit over your head or anything could happen. You know, the kind of that fear side stuff that can happen or hesitancy, um, all of that stuff is buying more time for something that's going awry to go even farther, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and, and that's where the confidence part comes in to say, "All right, now's the time I need to step in." Yeah, and
1: sometimes it's, it's also beyond confidence training in enemy and effective enemy, Even if you're a, a kind of a, a passive or introverted person, it, it gives you a sense of awareness as to what that real physical threat. Would look like. Mm-hmm. So even though you don't want to react to it, it gives you more knowledge about what it looks like when it's finally going to start escalating. Mm-hmm. So it, it might buy them the time to make a more sensible decision to, you know, get out, move away, you know, flee mm-hmm. or. Trying by time to work up a better strategy that's more in line with what they as individuals want to do. But unless you can recognize what that environment is where someone is going to be coming directly at you that would need something more assertive to finish it, you may make the wrong choice and try to do a more diplomatic approach to a situation that has no diplomacy out of it, but you don't understand that because you've never experienced it. Mm -hmm. So even having the knowledge of, I mean, there there was a student I used to have in Glasgow before the pandemic, where we had to close the dojo, unfortunately. Uh, He was very jumpy. He was very timid. He was very nervous. And he he, he, he would never, I mean, he flinched when you touched Mm him. And, but at the same time, He he wasn't afraid to apply the technique, but he hated taking the technique because it it just put fear in him. But for me, that wasn't... so. Everyone used to complain, but for me, it wasn't such a bad thing. He was going to hurt himself eventually, (laughs) regardless of what I did, because he was so tense all the time being thrown. But it was at least enabling him to see what these situations look like and to be able to understand that even though you can assert some sense of control, it's not in his... A conditioning to do that so therefore it, it gives him more choice and more awareness and more recognition of those situations so he can avoid them
2: mm-hmm.
1: basically and uh, that's also another really important part of what you teaches you it teaches you what it feels like when all of a sudden someone's directly in your face and you have to deal with that mm-hmm. so it also gives you that capability to choose to either not be in those situations if you hate it don't get into those situations you know don't throw an off op- the cuff remark that's going to send someone into a flying rage and get them into your face if you don't like that, and while that seems common sense, this is human beings we're talking about. We don't always use common sense. Mm-hmm. Possibly the most uncommon thing in the planet is common sense. Uh, so it's it's giving people that knowledge and awareness of the the outcome of the situations that they might find themselves in as well. And that's one of the things why I I struggle sometimes with the way you see Aikido portrayed where very often, particularly high-level stuff, I'm not naming names, I don't want to, uh, where you see high-level demonstrations, and the first thing they do is slide back as the attack's coming in, then beautifully blend with the incoming, you know, Yoko strike. But they're sliding back, which is great. As you say, they've got the space to do it. They're in the dojo. It's a demonstration. I appreciate that. And then Uki's floating around their arms, and they're all extended, and it's gorgeous. I love that stuff. I really do. I'm not slagging it off in any way. I'm not making fun of it, but it'd be useful to also see that's that movement, right? Okay, now we're going to demonstrate the enemy movement. And I, I just don't see it getting done enough. I'm not saying it's not being done, but as a demonstration technique for Aikido, I would love to see a lot of more high-level guys in the Aikido environment just putting out lots of irimi, you know mean? lots mm. of real... In fact, one of the best videos I saw was uh, Ikeda Senses. I remember that back in the day on the old VHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was fabulous because he was he, he was very strong. He was very focused. He was very forward. I think that's the last time I saw anything like that really been done. And um, it was a great video to watch. If anyone can get a hold of it, I would highly recommend you do it. Again, quite a compliant okay, because it's made for video. Mm-hmm. But you can appreciate the movements and why he's doing them. And the EREME video, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a good one to try and get your hands on. It's, it's the old IK News, I think, that did it. That, so getting a hold of it probably really difficult now.
0: You know, when you describe that backing up, and I've seen the same thing that you have both in person and on, uh, on video. And I think in, in breaking down why that is there, and I'm not saying whether it was specifically trained there, but I've definitely seen brand new people. If you have an attacker start to come towards them, their instinct is to back up. And I mm-hmm. think that the reason that is is it buys you space and time, both of which are reassuring. You're reassured mm-hmm. by the fact you're farther away from your attacker, and you're also reassured that you get more time to uh, execute and choose correctly how you're going to respond. And unfortunately, it gives your your attacker time as well. Yeah. By entering, you take their time away. You take absolutely. You the you're pressure, in control you take away from them what they are trying to take away from you.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, granted, it's the tricky part is you, you don't have time, extra time to, to act. You have to be trained to act with good timing without needing extra time. And if your timing is good uh, and you're moving at the right moment, you don't need that extra time. In fact, it's a good thing to take away the time from that your attacker has. Um, Mm -hmm. In addition to applying pressure, like we talked about earlier, but, uh, that taking away that's one of the things when I watch for demos. By the way, it's funny you mentioned that I'll watch for whether or not mm-hmm. Nage moves in, whether he mm-hmm. initiates that contact and disrupts. And it's its very subtle, it can be very small and even sometimes difficult to see. It's not a big motion, even yeah, a little yeah. motion in is enough to be very disruptive. Um, it can even be just, just moving the forward knee slightly right. forward and
1: adjusting the body weight exactly and that proper. Yep. striking attitude that can completely change how a technique's
0: applied yep. or even just a little bit of a uh, and this is even harder to see but it's easy to feel is that that, that flinch of you show that your intent of moving forward the eyes open a yeah. little bit you you have just a tiny little shift if so, if an attacker sees that often they will respond to it um, like more often than not just because they don't know what's about to happen but if you're if you're placid you stay still or you back up you show clearly uh-huh. that you are not going to intervene or or enter um, mm-hmm. and I, and I think that that's part of the mental engagement that, that goes on between an attacker and their their target uh, and it certainly happened with with me when I when I would compete is most of what was happening was not physical it was mostly mental and mm-hmm. you I, I encountered some very experienced people where if you get into into that ring or on that competitive field, Even if you're 10 feet away from them, you feel like you're walking into their kind of zone of control Mm -hmm. because they are just so comfortable that they're like they have a it's this is hard to describe, but it feels like they have control of the space and you're entering their space. And I'd go back to what you talked about with the boxer. How many times have you heard boxers say that ring is mine? I own that Mm -hmm. space. That's the mindset that they get into is I'm controlling that all of that space in there. That's mine. And and I'm controlling everything around my opponent. So that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, and to me, that's that, that sort of game face or the, the, um, the mental attitude they put on, they're not waiting. They're saying this, this area is under my control. And to me, that is part of that mental arena is I've entered all of this space and now you're in it and I'm going to deal with you as I need to. And, the, the, and then it's the tools don't matter whether it's, you know, boxing or wrestling or anything like that, but you feel it. It's tangible when you have somebody that has that mm-hmm. mental attitude.
1: Yeah. It's, it's there as well. in I, when we adopt our posture mm-hmm. and it's very, it's vital. That attitude, that forward projection is I, again, I tell my students all the time is that where my hands are, on either side of my body, the tram lines either side of my body, extending through, coming into a triangular point in my middle, where my hands are extended, this is mine. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You come into this, you belong to me. You know, and I am not going to then, we all have that perfect positioning where we can get maximum effect from our posture. So we don't want to be then suddenly extending our hands out beyond that where we lose power. Mm -hmm. If we start reaching for opponents, we lose power. We're giving ourselves to them. Mm -hmm. With Irimi, we don't give them our hand. We give them our entire body. So if we need to close that distance, our posture remains strong and forward, and we physically close that distance. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing, just as you're talking about there, Tristan, is I control this entire area around about my body, And if I need to control the area to the side, I'm not going to twist. I'm going to turn. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If I need to control the area behind me, I'm going to pivot and adopt another posture and control that, that positioning. That area all around me, and it's very tight. It's like a foot from my body, foot and a half from my body in another direction. That's mine. You come into that, you belong to me. If I make contact with you, I've closed that gap. I've not sacrificed myself to do that. You belong to me. As soon as that pinky, extended pinky, touches you, that's it. It's over. I'm taking control. And that's that t- type of attitude that I ask my students to adopt. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of confidence. You've got to be able to have confidence in your technical ability. You've got to know your techniques. This is not, you know, Aikido is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I say that a lot. And it, it, it's, it's about mastering yourself and knowing yourself enough to be confident to do that. But that's it's the exact same thing is to get that through and to ensure that that um that attitude comes across correctly.
0: Yeah. You're able to is. control your environment. 80% mental. It's I mean Aikido is a physical oh, yeah, yeah. art based on it, but it's not a primarily physical art. It's primarily mental. And mm-hmm. so you can even get into whether it gets into being a spiritual art. I mean not a religious, but it to the point where it starts to affect and, and grow your own what's underneath your mental layer yeah like what,
2: yeah. what you it changes are in, you.
0: inside yeah yeah um, i mean i i i changes
1: you as a person it, it 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 will make you a better person yeah. and i i honestly feel that it will make you a better person and it will make you a stronger more confident person but yeah. only when you take the reasoned approach to look at it for what it is how you train is almost like a mirror into your own self True. expressed externally you, you know so for someone who's a bit more laid back a bit softer who doesn't want to be an aggressive person or not, not aggressive assertive person could allows you to train that way mm-hmm. and to still gain confidence if you're overly aggressive and overly assertive it allows you to rein that in but still play on your strengths it allows you to do that. This is why I think Aikido is one of the best martial arts in the world. Because it, it, it suits all types. Mm-hmm. As long as they're open to the learning and willing to put in the work that will help them do that. Uh, it, it's an amazing martial art for that. It truly is. It's a transformative martial art. It will make people more confident. It will give them joy. It will encourage them to, to look beyond just what they think they are and to encapsulate different aspects of themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's not the first time I've had uh, a student training with me saying, do you know what, I didn't realise that I had that kind of pent-up anger I didn't know about. It was only when we were training there and I got really angry and I just managed to calm it down. I couldn't understand why I was so angry. It's because I kept making a mistake, but I was angry at myself. I wasn't angry at my partner it was, and I was getting frustrated. I didn't know I had all that in me. And then I've just realised it's nothing to do with what I'm doing. It's doing my job. And I hate my job. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, calm down, calm down. Okay, one, epiphany, one epiphany at a time, please. Okay, let's just deal with the aikido you know, And, you know, afterwards we can go for a coffee. You can tell me all about how crap your job is and get some stuff off your chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but, um, you know, it, it it shines a light into the darker areas of ourselves where we have cracks and things that are broken and asks us to look into them to try and make ourselves a much more complete whole you know, that can apply these techniques physically and mentally. Sure. And especially as an UK receiving, as well as giving the techniques out, you know, it's, 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 it's a huge thing. And that's why I find that that's why I get not upset, but I feel let down sometimes that a lot of what we see out there isn't portraying what Aikido actually is and what it's capable of being. I mean, if we can just touch back on the Irimi aspect, if you ever watch any of the old footage of O Sensei when he's doing bokken work, I think it's on the old. Ike. It's not the Aikido video that Aikido News did. It's on
0: Aikido Journal. Remember?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's the Divine Techniques video that Aikido okay. News released way back. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but he's just doing random sword movements against students coming at him. The whole thing's spontaneous. It's in a single instant. Mm -hmm. But every single time they cut, he goes straight for their face with the sword. He's doing Irimi every single time. He stops their attack by Irimi. And he stops their attack by entering into their space, just like we were discussing, Mm -hmm. and extending with the sword towards them to prevent them from taking further action. He's letting them know, if you continue to cut, you're going to get hurt by running onto the sword. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the greatest things that we have in Aikido, Mm -hmm. is when we adopt the proper attitude, For example, Nikio, when we do Nikio, we we apply it, but we don't apply the pain. Mm -hmm. We take it, it's very tight, it's very condensed. We take it right up to that point just before the pain starts. Then, if our partner wants to hit us, they can do it. Mm -hmm. As soon as they go to hit us, scream down the go. And it's teaching them to get that aspect of control. They then do training where they then apply it properly. But once Nikio goes on and they're in pain, that's the end game of that technique. However, taking it to the point of application just before the wrist starts to grind in properly, so it's all locked in, shoulders, their shoulders locked, their arms locked, their fingers are locked, everything's under 100% control by you. They're not going anywhere without your permission. You let them try and hit you, and that's when the pain kicks in. And again, it's taking them to that point. It's like watching a master duelist and fencing, take someone up with the AP and force them into a corner, then set them, like the old Errol Flynn films, setting, (laughs) you know, it's like Robin Hood setting the Sheriff of Nottingham up against the wall with the sword that he's throwing it, just daring him to make that final movement. It's that type of thing. Aikido also gives us the capability to do that. Mm -hmm. Take someone right up to the edge and then see what happens when you take it further.
0: You know, and I, and I've heard Aikidoka, especially a lot of contemporary ones, sort of they they view remi as somehow being a, a a tool of malice or of of mm. vengeance. Of well, I sh- I shouldn't impose on my attacker, and I, and what you describe is a, the perfect verbiage for this, which is basically you're you are applying, you're entering not with malice or intent to do harm, but intent to control, and mm. you are ending their imposition upon you whether that's crossing a boundary of yours or actually starting to do harm to you you're putting a stop to that but not because you're just acting in in a vengeful or harmful way you're taking control of their body and doing it decisively
1: you're giving them the choice to push it further
2: Mm -hmm.
0: by
1: completely controlling what they do an example is if you were to turn Iriminage, and then just before you throw or Tenshinage, if you had the jawline engaged and the head engaged and you've taken them right back and they still insist on doing something then you put them down Right. but anyone who's in that back bent position who wants to actually try and do something you would have to really consider it
2: mm-hmm.
1: you, you know and that's something that is, this is where the compassion lies in Irimi and the compassion lies in the sword the, my club's called Katsujinken. It's the sword that saves lives,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to Setsu To, the sword that takes lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Train to be effective and efficient, not to hurt people, but to take your training up to the point where you allow them to make that final decision. If they want to push it, finish it. Mm-hmm. But the responsibility for that is not on you. It's on them because they had the opt. They had the opt-out. You know, you've got them locked in a full extended, really strong EQ with their elbow, straining at the joint. Mm-hmm. You know, if they continue to draw a knife or push for you, you've got to drop that. You've got to take that action to protect mm-hmm. yourself. Had they not drawn that weapon, you wouldn't have done that. Sure. And that's on them. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm a psychopath. I don't know. I'm not. But, you know, from a, a personal point of view, if I were forced into that position, which I hope never happens, Mm-hmm. Uh, I almost said again <laughs> but I don't mean it that way uh, it worked fine the last time uh, if I were forced into that position where that had to happen I would have no remorse about taking that action to protect myself mm-hmm. because it's better that we finalise this now before someone gets really badly hurt as opposed to and that's another aspect of with an is that are you better to put someone down hard and finish it with that cut, that killing blow, killing blow, with that blow that's going to cause them harm, rather than letting the fight prolong itself, where multiple harm could be caused. Mm
2: -hmm. That's true. For me,
1: personally, from a a philosophical and a a personal point of view, it's better to finish it at that point, rather than let this prolong, Mm -hmm. where... A bystander could get hurt. You could be killed or maimed. They could be killed or maimed by making a mistake, falling on their own knife, something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's better to finish it with the minimum effect on them. And that's where that whole Masagatsu, Agatsu, Katsu Hayabe comes in. It's that uh, true victory is victory over yourself in that single instant. Do you have that necessary capability to finish this as you need to? for maximum effect, for minimum effort on both. Mm. And sometimes it requires a hard line, and sometimes it requires the soft line.
0: Sure. Uh, We are at 90 minutes now, so I think this would be a good wrap up point. Time flies when you're having fun. It does, yes. Always love these you If you had any last thoughts you wanted to end on, although what you just said is pretty pretty good, but you've always got more insights. So
1: I I, I will leave it at that. I was on the roll there. (laughs) Uh, I was on the roll there. So, yeah, no, but let's just leave it at that one, Tristan. It was a really good chat.
0: I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been a wonderful chat. So uh, it was great talking to you again, Stephen. Um, uh, You know, I really like this. I could, we could, I'm sure, continue talking for another hour easily. We could be here for Uh, a week. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You got all week.
1: Bring food and water. We'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's right. All right, so thank you very much again for having you, Stephen. Uh, looking forward to seeing uh, how people review this one. So we've gotten some very yeah. great comments on some of the recent uh, videos we've done. So um, good, good. with that, I guess have a great rest of your evening.
1: Yes, and to you and a happy new year to yourself and all your good viewers
0: and everyone. Thank you, and you too. Okay. Thank you very much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.